Good morning on this Sunday morning and welcome to our devotional, Golden Nuggets, Food for Thought and for the Imagination. Today we're going to pick up in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, starting with verse 14, 15, and 16, and we're going to continue our study on the word profession or confession, and it simply meant to acknowledge or an acknowledgement of, to agree with something. In this case, it's agreeing with what God says in His Word. We must understand that the standard is not the government. The standard is not a law. The standard is not even some type of uh, legislative piece of uh, thing that is passed. The standard is the Word of God. Anything else that is contrary to the Word of God and does not meet the standard of the Word of God, then we do not have to agree with it. But anything that God says in His Word concerning the church, concerning our lives as believers, concerning the name of Jesus, concerning His Son, Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, made in flesh, born of flesh here on this earth, tabernacling amongst us, anything that goes in agreement with that and we acknowledge that, then that is the standard that is set before us. Hollywood does not set the standard. Social media does not set the standard. Please understand that the measuring line the standard for anything and everything in our lives is the Word of God. And Jesus Christ, the Son of God that has risen from the dead, watches over His Word, just like it says in Jeremiah in chapter 1, verse 10, that God watches over His Word. For what purpose does He watch over His Word? To make sure that it is performed, that it is fulfilled that it is brought to pass according to how he has spoken. He told Jeremiah in verse 10, See that this day I have set thee over the nations, over the kingdom, to root out, to pull down, to destroy, to throw down, to build, and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, What's the, what seest thou? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Then the Lord said unto me, Thou hast well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. There you have it. God hastens his word, and the word hastens there, that is actually used in the Old Testament, God is alert. He's not uh, fallen asleep. He is on the lookout. He remains awake and watchful to make sure that his word is performed, whether it's in the form of a prophecy, in the form of a promise, whatever form it takes, all the promises of God are yes, yea, and amen in him. God watches over his word sleeplessly. Therefore, we have a great high priest, Jesus, who watches over the words of his people. Remember, the world and everyone will be judged for every idle word that an individual speaks. 
The word idle that is used there in the book of Matthew is the word useless or worthless. Every worthless word that we speak, according to Matthew chapter 12, uh, verses 33 all the way to 36, not only do the words come out of the heart, the abundance of the heart, but we shall be judged and give account for every worthless word that we have spoken. But if we have a worthy word to speak, our high priest watches over our words that are totally in agreement with God's word. And God hastens without falling asleep, watching over that word to make sure that his word is performed. Now that is really something to get happy about. But let's look at the scripture. Hebrews 4.14 Seeing then that we have, and we made an emphasis on the word have already, that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, unlike Aaron, that was just a temporal here on this earth, eventually would die and be buried, that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold our profession. Jesus is the Son of God. Don't let anyone fool you otherwise and say that he was an angel or that he was some other type of manifestation. Jesus was born of a woman, a virgin woman, born as a man, flesh, bone, and blood here on this earth. And it says, let us hold our acknowledgement of that, that he is the son of God. That Jesus is the name that is given that is above all names, at which everything, every tongue in heaven, underneath the earth and on earth, will confess that he is the Son of God. Let us hold firm, let us hold steady that confession. And here's the reason why. Because we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. In other words, he can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows exactly what it is, but it says, was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Because of that, let us therefore come boldly. And the word boldly there that is translated is also the same word confidently or confident or with confidence. And once again, we have set out that is an individual that is all outspoken or spokenness to be able to speak with frankness and bluntness, to be able to also not only be assured, but that your speech is free and open and plain before God. And many times when we come before God, whether it's because of sin or because of uh, simply thanking him, sometimes we're not as open and frank as we should be with him, almost like if we're holding back or hiding something. But when the Spirit of God is upon our lives and we allow him to give us that boldness in our lives, we can come before the throne of grace and we can come in time of need. We can come in time that we need grace, in time that we need mercy, in time that we need help. But this is what the scripture says. Let us therefore come boldly, like I said, confidently unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help 
in time of need. Now let's look at the Old Testament pattern because of this. Uh, if, we, if we're going to be looking at it, then we need to comprehend what exactly was going on. According to the book of Exodus, chapter 25, verse 19, when Aaron and Moses, uh, when they were instructed to build the tabernacle and build everything according to the pattern that was shown unto Moses in heaven, God told them this in verse number 19, Exodus 25, 19, and make one cherub on, the, on one end and the other cherub on the other end, even of the mercy seat, you shall make the cherubims one. You shall make the cherubims on the two ends thereof. So what you're going to have is two of these special angels with their wings covering their face and their feet, and they are looking down at the mercy seat. The mercy seat was the lid that was over the Ark of the Covenant. Inside the Ark of the Covenant was a container that had manna, was Aaron's branch or rod that had budded and flowered and had given almonds, and the two tablets of stone upon which the Ten Commandments or the law was written. And the, the scripture says that when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. He would sprinkle the blood on the Day of Atonement once a year upon the mercy seat so that the sins of the people could be forgiven. And it says in verse 20, And the cherubs shall stretch forth their wings on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings, and their faces shall look one to another towards the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubs uh, cherub, cherubims be. Verse 21, And thou shalt put the mercy seat above upon the ark, and in the ark thou shalt put the testimony that I shall give thee. Verse number 22, and here is where the throne of grace comes in. And there I will meet with thee. I will commune with thee. And the word commune there that is actually used is the word debar uh, in, the, uh, in the Hebrew. And I've used that word to explain to people uh, when Jesus was in the wilderness and the devil came to tempt him, he quoted right out of the book of Deuteronomy and he said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And the word, word that is used there is the word rhema in the Greek, the spoken word of God. So we can take this and say that is where God is going to speak his rhema. That is going to be his spoken word there. That is how he is going to share. That is how he's going to fellowship. That is how he's going to speak or talk. He says, I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat. From between the two cherubs, cherubims, which are upon the ark of the testimony of all the things which I will give thee in commandment unto the children of Israel. So now we begin to understand that when we come to the throne of grace, they were coming only as the high priest before the ark of the covenant. 
and on the mercy seat to sprinkle the blood and for God to commune uh, with Moses on the other side of the curtain from there and to speak and let him know what his commandments were. But for us, since Jesus has made a new and living way by his body and by his blood so that we can come boldly with confidence and speak unto God on his throne of grace. Why grace? Because we do not deserve a single thing. All of us deserve death and punishment because of sin and because of our entire life being contrary to God. But by the grace of God, Jesus paid the price. Our sins are not only washed, cleansed, and forgiven, but they are erased and forgotten. Well, the punishment that we deserved, the judgment that we deserved, is overlooked and we are declared righteous. We are declared innocent. We are declared no longer guilty. We have been found by God because of what Jesus did, totally cleared of anything. And it says it's the throne of grace. And what's going to happen there? We're going to obtain mercy. Instead of getting what we deserve, we're going to get what God wants us to have without deserving it one bit. He has mercy upon us. And then it says, and we're going to find the grace necessary to help us in time of need. Please understand that grace is not just a word. Grace and the law are not just two contrary things. But grace is actually a power. It is a working power in the life of the believer where Jesus grew from grace to grace. He, he, he grew from faith to faith. He grew from strength to strength, from wisdom to wisdom in all of these things. But grace is where you come to the end of your ability. You come to the end of anything and everything you could possibly do. There's no plan A, no plan B, no plan C. There's no backup plan whatsoever. You are totally at his mercy. And there God distributes the manifold grace that he has. And he gives you the wisdom, the ability, the capability, the knowledge, the finances, the power, whatever it is that that grace is needed for. And then all of a sudden you have help for your time of need. Even Paul said, Lord, take this thing away from me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, when he was talking about the, that angel that was sent to torment him, the, the thorn of the flesh. And God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Three times I've asked you, God, and God told him, my grace is, in other words, my grace is sufficient in ability and power to sustain you, to help you and overcome when you have that time of need. Do you find yourself in need? Ask God for his grace at the throne. Obtain that mercy and receive and find the grace that is necessary. Let him unleash that miraculous power of grace in your life. And when you hit butt heads right with that need, 
You're going to have the ability to overcome because his grace is going to be more than sufficient to make you victorious. Well, consider this food for thought and for the imagination. Join us on Monday as we continue along this line and seeing our high priest that we have do his awesome things in our lives. But until then, the Lord richly bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.